We're kind of looking around this morning and seeing all these people in blue and thought, well, I wonder what special they're going to sing this morning. A number of them in the bright blue today, but good to see you here this morning. Let's go ahead and turn your Bibles. We're in John chapter number 15 this morning, John chapter 15. Last week, we began looking at the subject of joy. We took our first message from the book of Isaiah, uh, looking at the song of joy. Joy is a topic that seems to be overlooked and oftentimes suppressed in many people's lives today. It seems we allow everything in our lives to overwhelm us, to direct us, and, and affect us emotionally where we come to the point where we, we don't understand and we don't have any type of joy in our life at all. Joy is such an important topic that the Bible mentions this word 165 times. And I know I've been taught many times before that if you find something in the Word of God that's mentioned once, it's something that we need to take notice of. But to find something, uh, the same subject mentioned 165 times, well, God is trying to point something out to us, and we need to look at it. We need to understand what it is and why God has given it to us. Last week, I gave you the definition of joy, uh, an inner gladness, a deep pleasure that comes from an inner assurance and confidence in God. Joy is not dependent on our happenings, our events in life. It is, that's what we call happiness. Joy goes beyond that, and it doesn't rely on those on the outside occurrences, but more on the inner in inner assurance of Christ. I found this statement that said happiness is external and joy is internal. Happiness depends on outward circumstances. Joy depends on the inward character. Happiness depends on what happens to us. Joy depends on who lives within us. Happiness is based on chance or circumstances. Joy is based on choice. You have a choice this morning on what you want to do. Do you want to understand and believe joy? Do you want to take part in joy? Do you want to allow joy in your life? That's a choice you have this morning. And that choice comes because of us accepting Christ as our Savior. This morning, again, I want to look at this joy and this topic and, and share with you, uh, again, the idea of sharing joy. How are we to share joy? What are we to do? And, and what goes on with us sharing the joy that God has given us? As we're looking here in John chapter 15, we'll begin reading there in verse number 11. John chapter 15, <coughs> starting in verse number 11, says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. In this portion of Scripture, again, we find four aspects of joy that I believe will help us move forward in life in understanding it and applying it to where we can have joy. But let's have a word of prayer as we get started this morning. Lord, again, we thank you for the opportunity we've had already to be able to sing your praises, to study your word in Sunday school, and Lord, to be able to encourage one another. Lord, I ask that you would help us now as we have opened up your word once again. Help us to read it. Help us to apply what it is we hear and what you show us through your word. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would have free reign in this place. Lord, that you would again just convict hearts, direct each and every one of us. Lord, draw us to you that we can again understand joy that you've given us. Lord, as David had said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Lord, help us to understand that and help us to uh, rely on that. But make that choice to allow you to work in our hearts and lives. Lord, direct us and guide us. Help us today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a theologian, John Stott, that wrote this. 
depression is a fairly common condition among Christian people. And I'm not referring to a clinical depression, which may need expert psychotherapy, but to spiritual depression, which we should be able to handle ourselves. For people who truly struggle with daily depression and live most of their lives in the depths of despair, it is important to understand the relationship between joy and thanksgiving. If you're a thankful person, joy cannot be very far away. If you are a joyful person, then I'm sure you count your blessings loudly and daily. Thanksgiving is a password that opens the door of His presence to all people. And when you enter into His presence, you know that you will find joy. So again, there's a lot of things oftentimes we look at and we understand it's there, but we don't take advantage of it. We don't look for it. We don't look for ways to apply it into our lives. And joy is one of those topics that is very important. It's something we need to get a hold of. Uh, you'd be surprised on the faces that you see as, as proclaiming Christians often coming to church or coming to a worship service, and it looks like uh, they've been sucking on lemons. Some of you may like lemons, and that's fine. But there's some people that come in here just sour-faced, uh, hating life and all that the world has, and on and on, and it's sad. We should be the most excited people. We should have a true joy because of what God has given us. But yet we allow the, the happenstance, the circumstances, the things in our life to overwhelm the joy that God has given us. And again, it's a choice. It's a choice on what you allow in. It's a choice what you listen to. It's a choice on how you react to things. Oh, well, you just don't understand. I can't. Yes, I understand a lot of things. But Christ understands even more than that. And he's the one that has given us his joy, as we'll look at in a minute. But the first aspect I want you to see there is found in the first part of verse number 11. And it is a shared joy. A shared joy. These things have I spoken unto you. Again, this statement, these things have I spoken unto you, is the things that God has given us. It's the things he has shared with us. But as you read that, have you ever stopped to think about what are the things that he is referring to? What is it that he is in referencing to? Again, we understand this portion of John. Uh, we find where Jesus is preaching uh, to the disciples while they are in the upper room during the Last Supper. If you were to go back and look at chapter number 13, you would find that they have begun the Passover feast. Jesus washed the disciples' feet, and Jesus, uh, Jesus has been identified as the betrayer. So this is all what is going on in this account where we're at right now. Then Christ begins to share with them a new commandment. The commandment of love. This is one of those things that Jesus was referring to, love. You go back and look in John chapter 13, verse number 34. It says, a commandment, a new commandment I give unto you. Not that ye love one another, or that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Jesus, we understand, demonstrated his love for us in a variety of ways. And as we think and realize all the different things and the different needs that we have, Christ has met each one of those needs through his love. So that's why he's telling us that we need to love others as Christ has loved us. We need to make sure we're showing that love. He showed us his love by his death on the cross. Again, we can go to Romans chapter 5, verse number 8. But God commendeth his love or demonstrated his love uh, toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Again, it was a demonstration of his love. He loved us so much that he was willing to die before we even knew who he was. He said, I'm willing to die for everyone. 
All of mankind, whether they accept me or not. Whether they like me or not. Whether they even know who I am. He was still willing to die for them. So let me ask this. How much do you love one another? And how much does that love you have show? If Christ was willing to share his love with us and commands us to do the same, how obedient are we? People are hurting around the world, throughout this country, and even in our own church because people are afraid to show love, the love of Christ. As a pastor, I want to say that I love every one of you. But I want to do more than just say it. I want to demonstrate it. I want to show it. I want to try to help where I can, do what I can to, to be a part of your lives and to, to help in that area. As human beings, as Christians, we need to show one another love. Another thing that Jesus was speaking in the beginning of this verse is that of peace. John chapter 14 and verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The peace that God gives us is something that is unexplainable. Scripture tells us that it passeth all understanding. We would truly want to take God at his word. If we did, then Christians would never have to worry about anything because we know who holds tomorrow. If we truly took God at his word and understood that, we would never have fear in our lives because God had not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If we took God at his word, we would never doubt anything because what he has given to us is perfect. This is the peace that comforts all things. This is the peace that covers all that we're dealing with and going through. You know, I love how the hymn writer put it in one of the songs we sing. Matter of fact, you can turn there. Hymn number 336, and I'm not going to sing it this morning. But I want you to look at the words. Oftentimes, I think we sing songs, and we don't reflect and truly think about the words of this song. 336 is a song titled, Constantly Abiding. It's not a very popular song. It's not one that, that is sung very often. But if you look at the, the words of the verse, it says, There's a peace in my heart that the world never gave, a peace that cannot take away. Though the trials of life may surround like a cloud, I have a peace that has come there to stay. All the world seems to sing of the Savior and King when peace sweetly came to my heart. Troubles all fled away and my night turned to day. Blessed Jesus, how glorious thou art. This treasure I have in this temple of clay while here on his footstool I roam. But he's coming to take me some glorious day over there to my heavenly home. It's speaking of a peace, a peace that uh, we truly don't understand all that there is and all that is encompassed in this idea that God has given to us. A peace, something that is far greater than what we could ever imagine. And it's constantly abiding as that hymn says. This is something that we need to share with everyone that we know. Everyone that we come in contact, let them know that the peace that we can get from God is something that they need as well. It's a true peace. And again, it can only come through God himself. When we begin to share with people the love of God, we have an overwhelming peace in our heart that overflows with joy. And that is the third thing that Jesus is referencing here. In verse number 11 is that idea of joy. This is not just any joy, but it is Christ's joy. Christ's joy can overcome any obstacles in life. Think of what Christ endured while he was on earth. And yet, he still had the joy to fulfill it. 
you were to go back and look in Hebrews chapter 12, look with me there, Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2. It's probably a verse we can probably quote this morning. But turn with me there, and hopefully I can find it. There you go. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He didn't have joy in being mocked. He didn't have joy in being beaten. There was no joy in the crucifixion, but he did have joy in fulfilling God's perfect plan, the purpose he had in his life, the whole reason that he came to earth. Just as James said in James chapter 1 and verse number 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. When we fall into that temptation, that different temptation, as divers means here, we're to count it as joy. Not that we like being in that temptation, not that we like being pulled away, but again, we look forward to being counted worthy for the cause of Christ. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. Our shared joy begins with the command to love one another. Share the peace that comes from God and know that true joy can help us through any trial. The second aspect of joy is the spiritual fullness of Christ found in the second half of verse number 11. So number two this morning is spiritual fullness. Look at verse number 11 with me again. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you, that your joy might be full. The Lord didn't just give us enough just to get by. Here's a little bit I'm going to give you, and that'll get you on your way or, or whatever the case. But he says, I want to completely fill you up. I want to give you full joy. I want to give you everything that you need. The idea behind this thought is spiritual fullness, again, is a spiritual perfection or a maturity in Christ. For us to be full of joy in the middle of a crisis means we must have the maturity of knowing God is in control. Not allowing our emotions to, to take over and to lead us down the wrong path. We are to focus on what God has for us. The spiritual fullness of the Lord's satisfying joy mentioned here is, is first of all, it's selfish. You think, well, what in the world are you talking about? It's selfish. It says there in that verse, your joy. He's given it to you. It's gone from his joy to your joy. It's something that he is trying to give to you for you to take personally, for you to take ownership. It is your joy. The Lord here is ensuring that his disciples, he was addressing as well as those of us who are saved today, know that we have God's joy inside of us. Aren't you thankful for that? It's not me. It's not what I think, what I want, but it's God's. It's his joy that is given to us. I don't have to go anywhere else to get it. I can't buy it from anyone else or seek it from anyone else. As Paul and Silas were locked up in prison, you may recall reading in the book of Acts, they were preaching the gospel. And they got thrown in jail for it. But do you remember what they did? They sat back and gave excuses, didn't they? They got discouraged as they sat there. No, they sang praises to God. Why? Because they were in prison. Hey, it's great being in prison. We love it here. That's not the reason at all. They were excited because they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. We can't get a hold of this truth if we don't understand it, what it has for us, understanding that God has given us his joy 
to us. It's us. It's for us personally. Then we have no hope for what to look forward to. No hope for tomorrow. Just like your salvation is personal, so is the joy that we have through Christ. Spiritual fullness is selfish, but it is also it's special. What is so special about it? It's God's joy in you. God's joy in you. This is not something the world can offer. It's not something you can pick up at the store. And as I mentioned before, it's not from the happenings of life. The definition I read earlier said an inner gladness. Strong's Dictionary says it this way. It's a calm delight. It may not be something that is shown outwardly, but it's something that we rely on during our difficulties in life. Notice something else that Jesus mentioned in verse number 11 is that it's satisfying. It's satisfying. He said it's full. It's exciting to know that whatever God gives us is exactly the amount of what we need. This happens in every area of our lives and with joy as well. We are completely full. You are full of God's joy. But it's up to you on how you want to let it affect your life. Someone once said, joy is the byproduct of obedience. As we are faithfully fulfilling God's will in our lives, then we will have that selfish, special, and satisfying joy as we mature, as we grow closer to the Lord, as we continue to follow Him. And this brings us to, to the third aspect of joy, and that is showing love. Look at verse number 12 with me. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You may question and wonder, how is it that we went from joy to love? Joy is a derivative of our love. Jesus Christ gave us the greatest example of love when he died on the cross. But not only that, we saw that in his earthly ministry. Everything he did on this earth was to show God's joy and to demonstrate that and to introduce people to that. He wasn't scared of what someone might think. He wasn't worried about what the religious people would say. He was willing to show love. And we know, we've read the accounts and understand that Jesus healed the lame. He touched the blind. He caused the deaf to hear. But the Bible says also that he was a friend to publicans and sinners. I think we oftentimes get in our, our minds that well, I can only do this with certain kind of people. I can only minister to those here or to those there. But Jesus showed it to everyone. He demonstrated his love to all people, not just to one specific kind. Love is the greatest need that the world needs. Love is the greatest thing that can overcome a lot of things that we are enduring in this world. You know, there's people that say, well, I just don't have time to do it. Or it's not going to make a difference anyway. There are some people who say, well, well, I'm not that kind of person. I, I can't show love. You never know. What a simple word spoken in love can do. Or how a kind gesture can affect someone when it's done out of love. The world is hurting. We're more afraid of the negative outcome than we are of the positive benefits of showing love. But notice what Jesus said here. He said it's a commandment. It's not an option. It's not a recommendation. But a command given to us by the Lord himself that we are to love one another. Now, I know there are some people that are harder to love than others, and, and I understand that. But that's why we don't do it in our own strength and in our own power. We do it through Christ. We do it through Him and what He has done for us. Now, we stop and think about, well, you don't understand that person and how they are, or this person and how they are. 
Now let's look at it from a spiritual standpoint. Look at viewing us from God's eyes. There's not a person in this church or on this planet who has not done something against God. But yet he was still willing to look down from heaven, send his son to die for you and say, I love you. But yet we're not willing to do that. We don't want to look past the, the issues and the problems. We don't want to look at this or that because of me. But yet none of us here are perfect. God still loved us anyway. He still wants us to have that joy. He still wants us to, to show that love to other people. John chapter 13 verse 35 says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. That is one way we can demonstrate Christ. We can show other people Christ is through the love that we have. Our church is full of imperfect people. And we must learn to accept that fact and work around the differences we may have. This takes work on both sides of those involved. Not only is it a command given by the Lord, but back in verse number 9, he says that we are to continue in his love. This means that it should not be just a one-day thing. Well, I can tolerate, I mean, I can love somebody on Sunday while I'm at church, but after that, no, I can't do anything. That's all I can do. But that's not the idea. That's not the way we are to love one another. The beauty of this command is that we are to love others, not in our own strength, but through Christ. He said, continue in my love in verse number 9 there. He said, abide in his love in verse number 10. And it's not in our power, but it's in his power. Philippians 4.13, again, is a familiar verse. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. But oftentimes we like to rewrite that verse. I can do all the things I want to do through Christ which strengtheneth me. But that's not what the verse says. We can do all things through Christ. We can't do anything in and of ourselves, but we can do it through Christ. We oftentimes, we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and, and see this word charity, this idea of love in action. Again, this is what we are to, to demonstrate to other people. And it says that there it suffereth long. It doesn't lose its patience. It doesn't get angry easily. It's kind or good and recognized the needs of others. It envieth not. It vaunteth not itself. It doesn't try to impress. It's not puffed up. It's not just thinking of oneself doesn't behave itself unseemingly, doesn't have mad manners, seeking its own or is easily provoked. It thinketh no evil. It doesn't hold bitterness in its heart. And it doesn't keep count of past mistakes. It rejoiceth not in iniquity, but in truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. Most of all, charity never fails. This is the type of love that we need to show others. This is the example of showing others Christ. It's what we need to do. It's how we need to, to treat one another and show love to others. The final aspect of sharing joy is this sacrificial grace. Number four this morning is sacrificial grace. Look at verse 13 again. It says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. As I mentioned before, Jesus Christ demonstrated the greatest form of love by dying for all of us and providing a way of salvation. This is an example of sacrificial grace that we can share with others. 
Grace is that unmerited favor, that kindness and goodwill shown toward another. This is what God needs, or this is what we need to show others, those that we work with, those that we are around. Again, showing God or showing Christ and those around us their love. The world needs to see love and grace displayed in front of them and to them so that they can understand the message of Christ. Oftentimes, I, I think we, we try to, to use these words or we try to, to, to speak so eloquently that, that the world doesn't understand our religious jargon, if you would. They, they don't understand the things we're trying to say. And this is why it's easy to demonstrate love by our actions. Again, it's, it's more than just saying words. It's more than just saying uh, something to someone, but it's showing them. And that's got to be the most important thing in this idea of sharing the joy that we have. But this is the joy that is shared. This is the joy that is shown. This is the joy that is satisfying. This is the joy that is sustaining as we live this life. So as you stop and think about joy in your life, you stop and examine yourself and think, where am I lacking in this idea of joy? What is it that I'm not fulfilling in my life that is hindering joy from showing and being demonstrated to those around me? To have joy, you must start with salvation. Again, if you don't have Christ, then you don't have true joy. So it's important that we understand we began there. We've got to be saved. We've got to have Christ living inside of us, changing the inside so we can have that joy, so we can have that place in our heart. If you don't have that, then you cannot have true joy. You're only enjoying the, the happy things, the, the happenings around you. And those things change quite frequently. So this morning, ask the Holy Spirit to examine your heart and see what is hindering this idea of joy. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we reflect on this message and understand what it is we're to do? There's probably a lot of different aspects from this message that we could look at, that we could think about and think needs to be improved in our own life. There's something we can draw from the words of Christ as we've read here in John 15:15. 